Resolute Square. There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list, which is rather extensive and continually being updated. Democrats want Republicans dead. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. So, it's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. <laughs> I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. My guest today on the enemies list is Nikki Freed, former Florida Commissioner of Agriculture and now the head of the Florida Democratic Party. She is putting a putting the jumper cables, the the paddles on the chest of the Florida Democratic Party and getting things moving again. I am thrilled to have her on the show today. We're going to talk for about a half an hour about what's going on in the third largest state in the country and to talk about how she is starting to turn the tide of a Democratic Party here that's been in a little bit of a little bit behind the power curve, I think we could all admit for the last few cycles, and and how it's how it's working and how, what she needs to keep doing, and where we're going to go from here, and the impact of Florida as a state where the Republicans have really, really, really put themselves in a position where the voters are going to are starting to ask the question of, is this really what we asked for? So Nikki Fried, with that, welcome to the enemies list. So I, you and I both have Thank a you. pastime of kicking the living crap out of Ron DeSantis. So let's start with Ron today. All I right. think America is seeing that what we've seen for a while now and that he's not really very good at this, is he? No, he, he's he's not good at this. He's not natural. Yeah, you know, and so, yeah, we, we've seen this here in Florida. And I saw it up close, you know, for, for sure. those who don't know that as as commissioner of agriculture, I sit on the cabinet. So it's it was Ron. It was Jimmy Patronis, Ashley Moody and myself. So mm-hmm. I had that that front row seat to see who Ron is and how he interacts with people. <laughs> He's awkward. He doesn't interact with people. There's no personality there. There's, I think I counted on the four years that we were together, maybe twice that we made eye contact. The, the rest of the country is starting to see what, what we've been saying and seeing here in the state of Florida. And it's, uh, they're rejecting the policies and they're rejecting him. I think that's right. And, and speaking of the policies, this state for a long time had a sort of, you know, the Republicans were, were rising in dominance over the last 20 years or so. There was also kind of a, a sort of get along, go along to get along among both parties for a long time. Even, you know, during Lawton Childs and Bob Graham and even during Jeb, there were bipartisan efforts. There were there were people who were able to work together across party lines. And that's really ended, hasn't it? I mean, this state has become very, very starkly divided because of the way the Republicans are governing. Yeah. And that's what's been so heartbreaking. Um, I was a, a government consultant for 10 plus years prior mm-hmm. to running for office. I've been a Democrat since I was 17 years old, but we were able to to work with both sides of the aisle. You know, mm-hmm. we came together on issues that mattered to the people. And even when I was first elected, I, I mean, truth be told, yeah. you know, Ron called me the, the night before I was before inauguration. I've known Ashley Moody since we were an undergrad in law school mm-hmm, together at the mm-hmm. University of Florida, knew Jimmy Patronis and really walked into 2018 saying, all right, this is an opportunity. All four of us were under the age of 50 years old, right. all had young families and really saw that there was going to be an opportunity for us to show the rest of the nation, you know, how to bring people together. And I, 
you know, I, I, I never like to admit this, but I've never been so wrong in my entire life um, <laughs> because it just stopped, you know, that maybe sure. for the first few months, you know, everybody kind of tried. But afterwards, the divisiveness and and just the unwillingness to talk to each other. And I've lost friends, which is just heartbreaking sure. because that's not what this is supposed to be about. But yeah, the Republicans have been like, if you would dare talk to a Democrat or if you dare work with a Democrat on a piece of legislation mm-hmm. or you don't completely sign up to Ron DeSantis's loyalty, you're, you're in trouble. And we have saw that even more so this last year when he vetoed. Um, and and line item vetoes throughout that budget. The pettiness and the spitefulness in the vetoes this year, it really kind of spoke to, you know, look, I I think you and I can agree this entire legislative session uh, in Florida last this year was was the the, the Ron DeSantis presidential campaign coming together. They they did all these things. Walk us through some of the things that you found the most egregious in the in the in the in the play this year of how the legislature really took a a hard right turn off the cliff on all these cultural war issues. Yeah. And, and that's what's been so frustrating because, look, you know, I was born and raised here in, in Florida and down in Miami, as were my parents. And, and this state has always, for all intents and purposes, been libertarian. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you want to hang out in like Duval Street and you want to go to drag shows in Key West, no one bothered you. Right. You want to, you know, throw beads and Gasparilla, no one bothered you. And and Tampa if guy. you want to go to Daytona 500, <laughs> right. right? You know, Daytona 500 in the 30A area, people just kind of found their people. Mm-hmm. We left everybody else alone. But what Ron has really done is, you know, and I know speaking, you know, at, again, my dad is a diehard Republican and always taught me what what the Republican Party used to stand for, which is less government, right. less taxes, less, mm-hmm. you know, less, you know, oversight from from government agencies, free market. And that's just not what the Republicans have been in Florida for years now, but even worse now with Ron. So this past session, I mean, the six week abortion ban, right. the ink wasn't even dried yet on the 15 weeks. Right. Huge, huge right turn. I mean, it's an all-out ban. Most women don't know that they're pregnant at six weeks, and then even if you happen to have like gotten that sweet spot of two weeks, you know, you got now two weeks to go find a doctor. Two doc, two doctors impossible. in this bill. Two doctors, right. right? Two doctors, and you still have a twenty-four hour waiting period. Mm-hmm. So that that's just not thing uh, possible. And and seventy-five percent of Floridians didn't want this right. and didn't agree with it. Then you have the hard right turn on uh, on guns. 71% did not want permitless carry. And it's not just permitless carry, it's trainless carry. Right. Now anybody can go in, buy a gun, carry it anywhere, you know, concealed anywhere you want and never have shot it. I, I mean, you got to do more to get your driver's license right. than you do to, to be able to, to carry your firearm in, in a public space. Hard right turn there, considering that if you pulled uh, assault weapons ban, it, it pulls over 60 percent in our state. You know, then everything to higher education. Again, as a past Gator, past student body president, past member of the sure. Board of Trustees, the attacks on higher education, on our diversity and training is just irreprehensible. I mean, we know where, where diversity training came from originally. It was the corporations. Right. They, yeah. they they wanted their 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 employees to to be diverse because that's who their clientele is, and that is out of line with with who Floridians are. And but but here we are. You know it it, it is shocking the the degree of uh, again you go through the list of things. I I know for a fact one of Ron one of the people doing survey work doing polling for Ron DeSantis begged him. 
on the six week ban. They were like, please don't do this. This is yeah. poison. And yeah. again, it is a weird thing to me, at least where Jeb and Marco, people that, that, that you and I both know for a long time. Yes. Were they ambitious? Of course they were, but they still were working a lot of broader questions when they were governor or, or governor or in leadership in the house or wherever they weren't just trying to set up a presidential campaign. And I think that may be one of the right. things that, that is missing from a lot of people's assessment of what's happening here is this is, he doesn't, I don't know that Ron believes in all that much except power. I mean, I, I think he is yep. a genuinely weird dude, but you know, he and Casey are the most ambitious couple I have ever seen in this state. I mean, by an order of magnitude. And I've known a lot of ambitious people in this state. Yeah. And, and I think that Casey actually wants this more than he does. Mm -hmm. You know, so. you, you even right. see, you know, how how she reframes the conversation, how, you know, she, everything goes through her. I mean, that's the things that we are hearing for the first couple of years oh, yeah. is, you know, people kept saying, who's close, who's close to Ron? Who's close to Ron? I said, unless it's a, a blessing by Casey, it doesn't happen. That's and I was right. hearing these stories the first couple of years that they didn't trust anybody and they still don't. And they made staff actually every single day write huge reports that they two of them would take home at the end of the night, read the reports on decisions that needed to make, be made in the administration, and they read them together and they decided them together. And so this is as much a, a Casey show as it is a Ron show. And you can just see the, 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 the choreographed, you know, that video from last week, the, the, how they present themselves, what she wears, what he wears is all choreographed, which is also think mm -hmm. why Americans are rejecting it because it's not authentic. It, it is make believe that, yeah. you know, if, if I didn't, if I didn't think that, that he was in such a war with Disney, I would say that they, you know, that they helped create that the orchestra here. <laughs> but it, it's it's really um it, it's really amazing to see how that they really have have created that this theater um, presentation to the nation and people want authenticity. Mm -hmm. That's you know you we we love him you know you hate him whatever it is about Trump but like he's still authentic he's in, in the wrong ways but it, but right. but it's a thing right. where wrong yeah, no, is it, just a fake. Well, speaking of the war on the war on Disney, you know, that is still an ongoing sort of running gun battle right now with with DeSantis and his people. They still want to they still are trying to to play that game. Talk to folks a little bit about how that plays in Florida, because I, people from outside Florida, I don't even know that they truly get the scope of Disney's role in our in our state. At Disney, you know, between Disney and agriculture, that's what built <laughs> our state. Uh, yes. I mean, that's just it. <laughs> you know that that's it. And, you, and 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 the beaches. The truth is, Disney is our largest employer in the state. Yep. Without Disney, there would be no Central Florida. Correct. And what has happened when people keep talking about the special district, and that they had all these special powers. First of all, in order to per our constitution to get a special district, the people have to be voting for it. So the people right. at one point voted because it is actually a higher tax on the people that live there because mm -hmm. they are the ones who pay for all of the trash and fire and policing yep. and the cleaning of the area. That is all done by Disney. And, right. and they also are responsible for cleaning all of the water and, and the hydration systems all in that community. And so if that all goes away, not only are you gonna see a higher increase in taxes to everybody in those mm -hmm. counties, 
but you're going to also start seeing a depletion of resources. And when you see a water system that is built around the infrastructure of Disney, you'll see a collapse even of access to, to free and clean water. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a huge impact for no reason. And I, and I think I think it's really important for people to understand what you'd be like, oh, he sh- Disney shouldn't have crossed him. They put out a statement, right. a statement, a statement after the bill was passed and after the bill was signed, trying to protect the employees of their corporation. Right. That's it. Yep. It wasn't it wasn't some like culture war. Your kids are coming to here and they must and they must be it must be turned trans or anything like that. It was, hey, our gay employees work in the state and we'd like you to respect them, basically. And and right. you're right. It, it's it's kind of a and he he just won't quit on it, which I find interesting because one lesson in politics is if you're obsessed with something and you're a, and you're a political person and and it's starting to hurt you and your friends and your allies, maybe not be so obsessed. But so let's talk a little bit about where you're taking the Florida Democratic Party, what your plans are for the coming cycle, what your goals are, and where you see the hardest part of your job. Because I like to ask people that question, like, what's the hardest thing for you right now in this? Look, you got to eat the elephant from the ass first, as they used to say. But tell us, (laughs) tell us, tell us where you're where you're headed with the Florida Democratic Party. You know, when I took over, people kept saying, what are you doing? You, you are jumping onto the Titanic after it hit the iceberg. That is not normally a sane thing to do. And I kept saying, well, there was there was lifeboats. There was lifeboats right. that, that came that were on there. And, and so we're, we're going the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I've been very honest. You know, I will never admit that Ron DeSantis won by 19 points. The Democrats lost by That's 19 right. points. And, and it has been an accumulation of decades of not doing the work on the infrastructure, not doing the voter registration, not doing the year-round engagement. When we lost the the Dixiecrats and the Blue Dog Democrats, we didn't do enough to expand our base. Uh, We took for granted the Hispanic community, the Black community, even the Jewish community in some respects, and didn't put in the work. And it all kind of just, uh, it was a perfect storm for for November. And we had just historic losses up and down the ballot. First time Mm -hmm. since since the 1800s that we don't have a statewide elected Democrat and a super minority in both chambers. Mm -hmm. So when I took over the gavel, there was, I walked in, looked under the hood, and this won't surprise anybody in the state or this country, but there was nothing here. So I'm not only just rebuilding this party, I'm really building it from scratch. And so I really kind of looked at it from from a multi-pronged approach. First of all, we had to get the communications job up and running, both internal communications inside the party, but also external communications. One thing that I heard consistently in my four years and when I was running for governor and when I ran for commissioner of agriculture and even beforehand, where are the Democrats? Where are the Democrats? You see so much space being given to the Republican leadership because they've got the microphone, but you didn't hear enough from us. So we are doing a lot more rapid response, uh, a lot more being on offense, not always defense. Um, punching harder. Um, I don't know the last time a Democratic Party chair got themselves a- arrested. Um, <laughs> so I did that with, with, with pride. Um, and, and while the charges are dropped and I can do it again, um, you know, sometimes good trouble is necessary that trouble. Was good trouble. Um, but that really, <laughs> yep. But that really created, helped create the spark of energy here, which is what we needed that, that energy on the base to get excited about participation. The second was an ongoing fundraising stream because all these things are great, but if we can't support our candidates, can't support the ground game, um, we can't be successful. So we revamped that. The third prong is really the internal structure of the party. That's everything from the voter registration, 
um, to how we coordinate with the party, with our national partners, with our local partners, with the candidates, um, with people on the grassroots, doing year-round organizing, doing the things that Democrats used to always be really great at that we just dropped the ball on. The hardest part right now is kind of, I think, a couple of different areas. One is Democrats like to eat our own. Yes, we um, do. And don't do a good enough job, you know, building our bench and lifting each other up. So really trying to change that mentality that that we have to be all one team, one dream, rowing in the same boat direction. And so that's really been a lot of, of struggle um, at the local level and, and in coordination with the electeds, trying to make sure that everybody understands the moment that we are in. And that if we don't do it differently, um, we can't get out of this moment. And the other is is the perception that we're that we've been left off the table from the national donors and the state donors and getting them back. And that right. is me showing the rest of the country and our and our state that this is different, that I'm doing this differently, that I'm engaging different people differently, that we are that we're going to start, you know, putting up those those W's again on the board, but convincing our donors across the country um, they're coming, um, but they are still waiting for some proof of concept. I think you said the most important thing in that in that very good explanation was that you have to build it up from scratch. And I think that might have been, you know, one of the things that a lot of of prior chairmen in the Florida Democratic Party, they were trying to sort of duct tape the whole thing together and all these different, you know, all this history back and forth with the various people. You mentioned one thing that I that is, you know, my personal obsession. I and I've seen Republican parties across the country really, really do this at 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 scale, and it's voter registration. And yep. talk, talk to us a little bit about what a lot of people don't know is that most voters in Florida are now not Republicans or Democrats. They're non-party affiliated. How are you going to persuade yep. some of those people to come back to the Democratic Party? Because a lot of them are like uh, disaffected Democrats. Yep. And what are you doing about recruitment for new Democratic voters? Because the state, while a lot of Republicans are moving here, a lot of people are moving here who are not Republicans as well. Yep. And, and, and what some of the arguments that I make across the country about why Florida is not as red as people think it is, you know, first of all, I was elected just four years ago, you know, mm-hmm. the first female mm-hmm. ever elected commissioner of agriculture, not just in the state, but the entire Southeast, um, right. winning after 20 plus years of only Republicans in this seat, that we have constitutional ballot initiatives that pass by 60, 70 percent that are all progressive, everything from cannabis to restoration of civil rights to minimum wage to mm-hmm. protecting of the environment and class size. And so what has happened in the last few cycles is that Democrats have relied significantly on third parties to do voter registration mm-hmm. for us. And they do a great work and they and they are certainly able to get into areas where we haven't and the party hasn't been strong enough to really kind of hold on to the voter registration. And so what happens is so many of our donors went to the third parties, didn't give money to the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. but gave money to the third parties to voter registration. And unfortunately, they can't do partisan registration. They can't right. do partisan conversations. So that's why you're also seeing this huge uptick in NPAs because right. they, they can't have those conversations. They know they don't want to be Republican, but they're not being persuaded to become Democrats. And so we are doing this differently. We have been asking every single county in our state, as well as every caucus, any one of our large statewide mm-hmm. caucuses, to propose actual in the gritty, in the weeds, 
plans for every single county and demographic where it is imperative to do voter registration. If you have an R plus two seat, let's focus on on getting voter registration up in those seats to make them competitive again. If you have a smaller county that is legitimately red, then go after those MPAs to get them over Mm -hmm. to blue. Uh, And so every county is going to be different. And so we are bringing all of that in-house um, we are going to be very metric focused, very goal focused on right. where we're needing to prioritize resources. And we have a 67 county plan. There is no area that is going to be unchecked. Uh, that's how I won in 2018 by losing sure. by less in 13 counties. And that's how Democrats have to work. And unfortunately, too many of our national races come here and statewide too. And they come here and they focus on the blue areas to turn out the blue. Yep. But unfortunately, that's not been a winning equation for our state for a very long time. You got to go to the rural areas and you have to go to the red areas and have those conversations and persuade people to understand that it's the Democratic Party who has been delivering at the national level, who has been fighting back at the state level and certainly been delivering at the local level as well. You know, it's fascinating to me because the old model of Florida, back when, when I started in campaigns in Florida in 1988, the old model was you could roll up Broward, Dade, and Palm Beach counties for the Democrats, and you have rough, and you would have at that point roughly 40 to 45% of the total vote that would be cast statewide. It's really radically changed yep. a lot. And t- there is a little bit of drift right now in South Florida. And, you know, you're, I think your 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 point is correct. You've got to work the whole state. You cannot just rely on a big sink of votes in Miami anymore among, you know, Democratic, uh, African-American Democrats and Hispanic Democrats in D- Broward and Dade County. You can't, it, it's just not sufficient anymore. What are you guys thinking about in terms of the drift, particularly of Hispanic men away from the Democratic Party? And I know Cubans are, have always been a slightly different different bird in that regard. But Puerto Rican men and and other and and Central American and South American like Venezuelans, they have drifted a little towards the Republicans in the last couple of cycles. What are you guys thinking about uh, how you approach that? Yeah, and, and somebody who grew up in Miami, I understand the, the complexities of the Hispanic community, and I think that what Democrats oh, yes. have really done wrong, you know, is have lumped everybody together and said, this is who, how we talk to Hispanics. And that is just so incorrect. And even in the Cuban community, depending if they came over in the 60s versus, Mm -hmm. you know, coming over in in the 80s and 90s and even up to the, Mm -hmm. within the last 10, you know, 10 years. And and so what we are doing is a couple of things. First of all, we've got to focus on the Puerto Rican community because we haven't done that. We've just assumed that they're going to be Democrats. Right. And so we have, and I've said the same conversation to President Biden's team. I said, when you come here, there is a whole swap of of Puerto Rican community members, especially those that came over after Hurricane mm-hmm. Maria, that we haven't been spending any time and resources on. Right. The second is to go back to the Hispanic community in Miami and the Cuban community in Venezuela and Colombian. And because we have been unfairly categorized as socialists. And there was no fight back back in the 2018, a little bit 16, Uh but 18 and 2020. And the Democrats said, no, we're not. And and then left it there. That is not how you respond to to accusations. I got to tell you, I told the White House or I told the campaign at one point, I said, listen, send Biden down to Miami, stand in the middle of the fucking Caleocho and say, Fidel Castro was a monster who should burn in hell. It's easy. It's free. Just do it. 
and 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 they're yeah. they're kind of looking to hear that you know the the and it's just yes. the socialism idea is so stupid when it when, it, when you play yes. it out i mean joe biden ironically has been the best president for american capitalism in my lifetime in the last three and a half years you know it's like it's ridiculous yep. but but yeah you're right it, the socialism it's thing right and we didn't fight back on it. And so, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, my opening, my opening of, of my campaign in 2021 was, you're so a capitalista. Right. You know, and, and, and just, you know, to talk about things, you know, I, I owned my own small business. I'm an attorney for 21 years. You know, like right. this is a, such a ludicrous, you know, but anyhow, but we didn't do that. And now right. that, that DeSantis has gone so extreme and so overstepping in government, and you know, whether it, it is now the new immigration law, which is going to decimate, I don't think people truly understand, but is going to decimate our economy. Yep. And it is going to pull people from Hispanic families out of our state, even if three out of four family members are documented because that fourth is not, they're all leaving. Yeah, and my- that is where... We're seeing some changes in South Florida. People from outside Florida think, oh, it's just tourism. Ag is our second biggest industry in the state, folks. I mean, look, my family is in is in ag in North Florida and in Central Florida in citrus. My cousin who does the citrus part of the family, they can't get workers. We're, I mean, he's like, if I don't solve this problem by by the fall when we when you know we start harvesting, we're gonna lose it. I mean, and and he's one of hundreds of these producers in in, in the citrus industry that is just they're going they're they're sucking air right now. They, they and and you and, you know at twenty two bucks an hour you can't even hire people to do it. You know it's crazy yeah. how much damage I, I, this is. Doing. I said for horrible. I said for all years when I was commissioner of agriculture that first of all we've got two million people that work inside of agriculture, mm-hmm. close to one million undocumented. Think yeah. about that. Close to 50% of mm-hmm. a workforce is going to be gone. And I would probably imagine a good percentage of the other 50% are going to have to leave too because they've got family members that are undocumented. Right. This is going to be horrific. Yep. And what's crazy is that I'm hearing that people in the construction business are calling oh, agriculture yeah. asking if they've got workers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I- I see a world that we're going to have to come back from spa- and do a special session or change this next session because you're going to see so many of Republican businesses screaming oh. bloody murder, and they're going to have to they're going to have to move. They're going to have to move uh, in the I, legislature. I was with I was with a lobbyist friend a couple of weeks ago who who works with the home builders and works with with developers, and this person on paper is a DeSantis loyalist of the first order. He's like, my clients and my people are losing their minds. He said that this guy has this guy has done this again as part of his campaign, not to help the people of Florida, not to do something good for the people of Florida or to help the economy, but so he can go to to Nevada and Arizona and Texas and run in a Republican primary and say, I'm tougher on people who want to come here to work than anybody else. That's right. Yeah. All of the, this stuff that he has been working on for the last couple of years is all for the purposes of of getting to that MAGA base, which the MAGA base is not leaving Donald Trump. Like, nope. <laughs> they're, they're not going anywhere. That <laughs> they're not nope. going. If and if they want MAGA, they're going to stick with Donald. Like, this right? Has why? Been so why do you insane. want? Why do you want? Why do you want diet Trump? You know, they want all the sugar, all the caffeine, all the fat. They want the whole thing. 
So, well, right. Nikki, they want they want the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, somehow Florida. We, somehow we've got we've got three Republicans running for president from Florida. Maybe four if Rick Scott gets in the race. There's a lot of weirdness in the water here. But Nikki Fried, you're doing a great job as the as the chairman of the Democratic Party of Florida. I wish you all the best. Even as a former Republican, I want competition. And there there should be two dynamic and effective parties in the state. And I think you've really made some great strides already. Look forward to having you back on the show as we uh, we get close to the election, because Florida will, of course, as always, our home state will always be the, the craziest center of gravity. Well, thank you so much again, Nikki. <laughs> Tell people where they can find you on social media. So I'm all over the place. Um, I, Nikki Freed on Twitter. Um, I also now have a thread. Uh, so go go visit me on thread as well. Yes. And I'm on basically every social media platform. So come follow us, uh, give some ideas, suggestions. And most importantly, if you're listening, not happy with Florida, come visit floridadems.org. We're making some moves here and uh, you'll be very impressed with the, the, the team that we're building. All right. Very good. Thank you so much for coming on the enemies list today, Nikki, and we will talk to you again soon. Right now, there are a lot of folks who are phoning in the death threats and sending in the death threats to everyone in Jack Smith's world, people who are investigating Donald Trump in this classified documents um, case where he stole American national defense secrets and illegally and inappropriately violating the Espionage Act, shared those documents with people who were not clear to see them. Now, this is part of what MAGA world does, is the death threats. Believe me, for the last eight years, I have spent a lot of my time getting death threats from idiots. 99.9% of them are just assholes on Twitter talking shit. But a few of them have had to deal with the FBI and law enforcement, etc., because you know they show up at your house once in a while. I can't imagine how much worse it is for a guy like Jack Smith and for the staff who, who are who are doing this investigation. But they are getting death threats. The people that are doing it um, are on the enemies list, but the people encouraging it are at the peak. And that's Trump himself and his entire sort of media apparatus to try to to try to turn a legitimate investigation into something where the where the the people conducting it are threatened and have their lives and their families threatened it's an outrage it's not what a civilized society does it's not what it's not what a rule of law society does but it is what authoritarians do so for the people thro- throwing out those threats right now for the people that are pushing them to do, to to push out those threats right now all of y'all are on the enemies list get your shit together Thanks again for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list.